Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast, the podcast where we talk about times where the Scriptures became very real for us, and thus uh, we can all grab more power and, and application in our lives. I'm very excited for our guest today. We have with us today Crystal Walker-Smith, who is just a, a wonderful delight I first met uh, because she does a fantastic um, podcast Excuse me, with her friend, Callie Black, and they had me on uh, their podcast, and I thought, but these are two people who know how to interview people, and uh, it was really <laughs> uh, one of the most fun times I've ever had in a podcast, and, and we've since then done it again. I just, I just liked talking with them, and since then I've seen uh, Kristen at Education Week, where she presents and all sorts of other yeah. things, and she's just so great. I, I wanted to have her on, so welcome, Kristen. Well, I feel a lot of pressure now, but oh, <laughs> that was a really nice introduction. Everyone, well, that, lower that your expectations. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, that's we we just want people to feel pressure. That's what it's all about. But good, no, great, but, I'm feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, Kristen? Yeah. So um, the podcast I had carry on, and both of your episodes, by the way, have been so loved by everyone. Um, but the podcast name is One Minute Scripture Study, and so. Our audience is the people who need a quick scripture boost or they don't have much time to do a devotional with the family. And so they hop on and get their come follow me for the day. And honestly, it's two minutes. It's not one minute, but, <laughs> but it's two minute scripture study. So uh, the the podcast again is one minute scripture study. And then I, as you mentioned, I do get to uh, do BYU Education Week, which is awesome. I used to teach at EFY and I just love talking about the gospel. So I'm so excited to be here today. Well, I'm excited to have you. I've always loved everything you do. It's a great podcast. Thank you guys you. Uh, do a, a great service there. So you're part of my inspiration for getting into this. So All right. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll just start out by asking the, the question, can you talk to us about a time or sometimes when the scriptures became real to you? Yeah. Um, so here's the funny thing is that my life now revolves around the scriptures, but growing up, I did not like them. And I read them because I was supposed to. And we had family scripture study every day. Each person read three verses, then the next person did three verses. And I just thought yeah. that they were the most boring thing ever. I remember when my sister came home from college and she's like, oh, my college professor taught us that we're supposed to read the introduction Um like the chapter introduction before. And I'm like, no, we can't add that on. That's going to add at least like 30 <laughs> seconds and I don't want to do it. <laughs> just so, just this, so you know, I actually hate reading those things because I feel do like you, I don't want I someone know. else to tell me how to interpret it. I want to find, find out from this, the authors how to interpret it, not from someone else. But oh, anyway, yeah. So yeah, I'm with you my motive, my motives were just less time in the scriptures. That's all I wanted. <laughs> well, all right, so, <laughs> so, but when I went to BYU, I had my very first experience of taking a religion class where where it wasn't just like, do you have a testimony? It was like, no, we're studying this as a book of history almost, where it was like, we are going to dive into who these people were and what their culture was like. And I remember being like, huh, I guess there's more to the scriptures than I thought. And so when I went home that summer, I picked up a book called Lehi in the Wilderness. Have you read that? Oh, yeah. yeah, by Hugh Okay. Nibley? Yes. Yeah, great book. And it is a great book. And I remember as I was reading that, I, for the very first time in my life, got excited because it clicked that these were real people and that their stories were my story, that I could relate to them, even though they lived thousands of years ago, that that I had something in common with them and that 
that there was a whole story and a history and a culture and there were feelings behind the things that were going on, that it wasn't just words on a page, right? Like there was Nephi didn't want to cut off Laban's head. And I, I began to actually picture that. And it was like almost a movie playing out in my mind where I'm watching him and I'm crying for Nephi. Cause I'm like, this poor kid just loves Jesus and wants to do what Jesus says, but man, he doesn't want to chop off someone's head. And that was the very first time I got excited about the scriptures. And that has stayed with me forever. After reading Lehi in the wilderness, I was like, Oh, these are real. These are awesome. And I just, I loved it after that. Uh, that's and that, that's what this podcast is about, and I feel the same way. And and uh, some of I had similar experience reading that book, but just that idea mm. when when suddenly you're like, wow, that's a real person who probably uh-huh. was tired and tired of the sand, or Sarah didn't, right. you know, worried about her kids, and right. and you know that seemed weird when I read in the scriptures, and then when I saw my mom worried about my brother while he's on his mission, I was like, oh, uh-huh. I wonder if that's the same kind, of, right? And uh-huh. it, when they're real, there's real power and excitement in there. So I, yes. I, I love that. That's that's perfect. Yes. Uh, that's great, and I hope that's the experience that all of our readers are having as we we go through yeah. these things. So yeah, well, great. Not just words. So, so what else then? Well, okay. So the scriptures at that point, I got really excited about them and was like, oh, hooray. I, I want to read them more. And I read them in kind of a, this is interesting and has some application to my life. Like that's, they meant something to me, but it wasn't a lifeline at all. Mm. And then, um, I started having kids and for anyone who's new to me, I'm very open about this. I hope you don't feel awkward as I share this, but when I became pregnant with my first child, I experienced an immediate onset of obsessive compulsive disorder, which manifested in a great fear of germs, of getting Uh. sick, of my kids getting sick. And like people think about, have, did you ever see What About Bob? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so I remember seeing that as a kid, watching it, and I just laughed my head off because I'm like, Bob is insane. Okay. But you guys, I became Bob. Like I, <laughs> I was totally <laughs> or, or Monk, Bob. maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Monk gets it totally right on so many things. Yeah. So I, and, and I by the was- way, I, I think it's really important we talk about this stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. mental- Health is an increasingly important issue, and mm-hmm. so I'm grateful that you're willing to to talk about this. It's an yeah. important thing. Yeah, it's a very lonely place to be, and I didn't have anyone talking about it when I was suffering yeah. through it, and so now I'm just like, oh my goodness, let me just tell the world. Yeah. So, But I got to that point where I was monk, I was Bob, and I, it left me basically homebound. So I would stay home as much as possible with my children because I was so afraid of the outside world. And mm-hmm. and, and this includes things like I couldn't touch the light switches in my own house. Like I would mm-hmm. only touch them with my elbows or... Um, washing my hands. It generally, I actually timed myself one time. It took about two and a half minutes every time I washed my hands. And if I did anything wrong, I had to start over and my hands would be bleeding as I'm washing them, but I'm still washing Mm. them. And I was at this point where I just hated my life. I was so depressed. I was just like, this is stupid. Like, what is the point? I'm I'm a horrible mother. I'm a horrible wife. I couldn't see any reason for me to be suffering through this. I'm just like, Heavenly Father, I didn't do anything wrong. Like I started a family. That's kind of what you want. So why? And one day I was reading in the scriptures and I was actually in second Corinthians and it's chapter 12. And this is Paul talking about how he had his own thorn in the flesh. And he doesn't say what the thorn in the flesh is, uh, but he talks about how he asked the Lord three times 
And I'm thinking this isn't just like, oh, Heavenly Father, please take this away. Like, I am thinking this was like intense, intense, like fasting prayer, like really asking. And then... um, So So what 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 chapter and verse are you in? So we're in 2 Corinthians 12, and I am going to be in verses 9 and 10. And here, grammar matters, and there's not the correct grammar necessarily in the scriptures. So he says he he besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And then in verse 9, it says, and he said unto me, so this is the Lord talking, mm-hmm. quote, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, end quote. So God right. is saying, the Lord is saying, hey, guess what? I have power enough to help you through this. And the weaker you are, the the more my strength and my power can be magnified in you. And then Paul says, after the Lord says this, he says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And it makes me emotional just to read it right now because I still look back at, gosh, what was I, this is 2010 Kristen just bawling her eyes out reading this and realizing if this is the price I have to pay for Jesus to become my best friend and to become the greatest power in my life, then it's worth it. And for the very first time ever, I didn't hate my mental illness. I thought it's worth it. I'll keep going. If this is what the rest of my life has to be, I will do it. And this this scripture is still one of my absolute favorites because it's just a reminder to me, no matter what I'm going through, as long as I am bringing Christ into it and when I'm weak, I can feel his strength, then it's worth it. And I will do it. And I, I won't necessarily be glad about it. I won't say I'll do it gladly, but I will do it willingly, <laughs> I guess I would say. Wow. That's, that's powerful. That's powerful and, and important. I mean, you have uh, and in a way, it ties in with uh, Lehi, but so many things in the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? We, uh, When I think of Lehi in the wilderness, I also think of Abraham in the wilderness. So by this point in the Old Testament, we've talked about lots yeah. of people who have had these these struggles, right? The, the heartache that Abraham went through, the heartache that oh, Lehi gosh. and Sarah went through, um, mm-hmm. and and so on. And uh, to, to have this idea that you're bringing up that when we are at our lowest, when we are in our greatest need, experiencing our greatest weakness, that's when the strength of Christ can be most magnified in us. And then we're stronger than we would have been right. without him, right? right. That's, that's a I powerful thing. Agree. And especially mm, for you. people who are going through what you were going through. And there are, I'm sure, many who are listening who are having some kind of mental health challenge to, yeah. to, uh, to think of it in that way. That's that's fantastic uh, Thank and you. powerful. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't then, okay, fine, your, your <laughs> mental health <laughs> no. challenges were over and, and you're done. No. And uh, thank you for that healing moment and we'll move on right. from here. I'm sure it continued, but uh, but it, it, it helped, did. I guess. No, it did. It definitely helped. But that, and again, it didn't mean that everything went away. And I still struggle with OCD. I have been having panic attacks all week and I mm. have to remind myself of the scripture. And if we, if it would be okay, there was another scripture that really helped through this mental illness. Yeah. Um, I hate the word journey. What's a different word besides journey? This mental <laughs> illness thing. Boy, I'll just... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I like the word journey. So oh, do know. you? But, uh, yeah, I feel sure. like, I don't know. I feel like it's overused, but I'll say it uh, as you like be, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so here's the thing though, is that um, my, my OCD would get 
awful during the duration of the pregnancy because I couldn't see the baby and I didn't know how the baby was doing. And I'm like freaking out. And then the baby would come and it would get like a tiny bit better because I could actually see the baby. Um, But it was still really bad until about nine months about nine months after. So is this there's just with your first child or is this? Kind no, this of a is with each of them. Thing? This was repetitive. Right. So I would get to and how many children nine, do you have? Uh, three for a reason. I'm going to get to that. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just telling you, look forward to it. It's going to be All exciting. Right. So, um, so for about 18 months, I was at my very worst where I would literally cry myself to sleep every night. I was, I wasn't suicidal, but I really did have this like you know, it'd be nice if a truck hit me. Like that was honestly a thought that I had multiple times. And so we knew with every baby that came into this family, I would be bonkers for 18 months. Mm. And so we had our three children. And after the third one, I'm like, this is an eternal decision. I, if I decide not to have any more kids, that's eternal, right? Like this matters. The prophet wants us to have kids. God wants me to have kids. He wants me to bring spirits into this world, but I don't know if I can do it. And I, and I really felt like, man, am I going to, and there's nothing wrong with being institutionalized, but I didn't know if I would end up being like permanently institutionalized if right. I tried to have a fourth child. And my husband and I just prayed so, so hard about it because we had gotten to the point where I was doing better and life was looking good. And we were like, do we do it a fourth time? Do we, do we, you know, try a fourth time to have a kid? Which, by the way, I hope I'm not sounding insensitive to anyone who struggles with fertility. Uh, I know it it can be frustrating to hear people go, well, I didn't want more kids. This is, I recognize that. And I hope that's not insensitive. Uh, We we all have our own challenges. Yes. So that's that's a different kind of challenge. Yes. So, um, So I took this to the temple. And I was praying so hard and I'm like, heavenly father, I feel like I should have a fourth kid. I feel like that's what I should do. And as I prayed in the temple, I grabbed the scriptures next to me and I opened up to, if you want to go, uh, Alma 29. And this is where Alma is like, oh man, I wish I could be an angel. I wish I could just share the gospel with everyone. He's got that missionary fire, right? In fact, I think you should sing the song for us real quick. Nope. Nope. We're good. Okay. All right. Okay. Just checking. (laughs) Nice try. Nope, not doing that. So as I'm sitting there in the temple, just crying, trying to figure this out, the words that the Lord or the Lord kind of spoke into Alma's heart, um, he says in verse three, he says, but behold, I am a man and do sin in my wish. That part didn't apply to me. But then he says, for I ought to be content with the things which the Lord hath allotted unto me. Mm. And as I sat there in the temple, I felt the spirit confirm that the Lord had allotted unto me a brain that was not working the way that it necessarily would work when it was healthy. He had given me the gift, the curse, I don't know, of OCD. And he had given me the ability to have three children and I should be content with what was allotted to me. And I don't know that that's the answer for everyone. I'm not saying this is your revelation on how many kids to have to anyone. But for me in that moment, that was probably the one of the most sacred moments of my life when I felt the Lord say, your offering is acceptable. This is what I've given you and, and you should be content with this. This is a blessing. So... Uh, that's fantastic. That's one, and Thank you. and so it's, if, if you wouldn't uh, mind me just kind of... Uh, 
stating some kind of recurring themes we've had on this uh, podcast and, yeah. and then just maybe probing a little bit because it seems yeah. like that maybe what you've just told <laughs> us is an example of that, but I'd love to get okay. your opinion and, and see what your thoughts are on the matter. We've just kind of accidentally, these themes have been arising, the idea of the, the scriptures being a catalyst, that mm-hmm. sometimes it's, uh, you know, because I would guess that most people wouldn't read that and say, oh, that means that I, I'm fine with just having as right. many children as I have, right? But it was right. a catalyst to revelation. Right, the, mm-hmm. and that that the revelation that comes while we read the scriptures is the most important thing, but it often won't come if we're not reading the scriptures. Right. And 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 another thing we've had that's very uh, kind of related is this idea that while we're on our commute to be with God, uh, that we need to commune with God, mm-hmm. and that that happens through the scriptures. So they're really the same kind of theme that, but they've kind of come up in different ways. So as, yeah. as on this commute, which for you has had some bumps in it, right? You ended up going <laughs> yeah. off road and doing some four wheeling um, <laughs> in in your commute to be with God. Um, but he's still willing to commune with you, yeah. and he does so uh, in a very crucial, critical way. As you're reading the scriptures, just with the scriptures becoming a catalyst in a way mm-hmm. that almost isn't what that scripture was about and right. yet it was right, right. is, is yeah. that what your, your feelings are is that kind of what you feel you experienced or yeah and i think the interesting thing is is that when i have prayed and i've needed help i have often been saying oh i need lord speak to me speak to me speak to me and guess what he has spoken to me it's just in yes. the scriptures like we're begging god to speak but he has spoken and we just have to go into his words and find what he has to say to us. So yeah, I totally agree. Uh, That's powerful. In fact, okay. So that reminds me of, uh, here's confessions of a dumb bishop. Um, Oh no. I can't tell you, can't tell you how many times like I've uh, gone to the stake president and said, okay, so uh, how do we handle this or what do we do about this? And he says, well, in the manual, it says this. And you're like, oh yeah. Or the handbook is, yeah. In the handbook, you're like, oh yeah. There's yeah. a handbook, isn't there? Maybe uh-huh. I should have looked there, right? And, and I feel sometimes we're that way with the scriptures. Like yeah. we're asking God to speak to us. And then he just says, well, I gave you a handbook. Right. And if you right. look in there, it may not even, it, it, again, it may not say, by the way, uh, so I, I'll just share kind of a fun example uh, yeah. uh, of someone that I know whose name is David. And he was trying to figure out whether or not he should uh, move in, the young married couples move in with their parents to save money. And he finds, mm-hmm. uh, he randomly turns to the Doctrine and Covenant and says, David, you should go home. And, and li- literally, that's what it says. Right? No and, way. And he's like, oh, maybe that's an answer to me. Um, <laughs> right. So sometimes they really say that, but sometimes yeah. it says something else, but it comes to us through the Holy Ghost as David, mm-hmm. you should go home. Right. Yep. And, yeah. um, uh, but it's still there in the handbook. If we'll just right. go check the handbook and the more we check the handbook, the more we'll have that communion while mm-hmm. we're on our, our commute. So yeah, uh, definitely. That's... And and yeah, the scriptures don't have like the topical guy doesn't have, should you have more kids if you have a mental illness, right? Like there's right. no, that doesn't show up <laughs> in the yeah. topics, but nor, God, nor in the handbook by the way. Oh really? Okay. Good to know. I, I, so... don't, I don't think there's anything about that in the handbook. So yeah. But I, I have found, and this is, this is a truth that I have found is that the more familiar I am with the scriptures, the more able I am to find answers uh, to them. Um, good. because many answers have come as a thought of a scripture that I sort of remember reading one time or studying in depth, and then I search for it. And that's where the answer is. It isn't often I just open the pages and there it is. It's a thought that comes first of a reminder of something I've already studied. And then I can get my answer as I read and study it more. So. 
Oh, that's good. That's that's very good. And I think I think there's a there's a twofold aspect to that. Both being familiar with the scriptures so that they can be brought to your memory, right? The comforter right. brings things to your memory. Right. But also being regularly engaged in in the scriptures because I think that the the more you're doing that, the more the flow of the the spirit it just easily mm-hmm. comes. Mm-hmm. Right. It's Absolutely. Uh, it, when it's uh it's it's kind of becoming familiar with the language of revelation. And uh, so, for example, I studied uh, modern Hebrew in Israel, and by the time I was done, I I could speak fairly well. But then I come home, and for 10 years, I don't speak it at all. It it doesn't, when Uh I have the chance to use it, it didn't flow so easily, right? And I think that that the language of Revelation is the same way, and the best way to continue to practice it is is by our scripture studies. I love that analogy. I think that's perfect. Good stuff. Well, and again, thank you. I, I mean... I would guess that for you, because how many children to have and um, and how it impacts your life and your family is such an important, uh, and as you say, it has eternal uh, ramifications. Although yeah. I also think that there are lots of things that we're not able to do in this life that God's, because of our fallen bodies mm-hmm. and whatever else, that God's going to make up for in the next life, right? So yeah. uh, some things are going to be overcome, but still you feel like, okay, there's some eternal things on the line here. And, and it's such an right. important decision to have some direction on that uh, must have, I would guess it is still a tremendous uh, amount of peace of mind for you it is. It is. Uh, to know, you know what, God, God spoke to me on this one. Yep. I know I'm doing God's will. And that's, that's a great comfort. It is. Absolutely. Uh, wonderful. Well, thank you. Uh, and I'm, I, I, again, I'm sure that there are lots of listeners who are going through all sorts of uh, challenges, whether mental health or something else that uh, it's comforting and helpful to hear other stories, and hopefully uh, this can serve as a catalyst for someone. Yes, yeah. Um, so uh, any any other stories or ideas you'd like to share with us? Well, I guess, I guess one more thing that I would love to share is because sometimes like you might be hearing this and you might be a huge Carrie Mulestein fan. You have his posters up in your room, right? And you're uh, thinking, I wish... <laughs> If, if, if they, they wouldn't not a be sleeping star. well if they had them in, in their room. But anyway, yeah, yeah. But, but no, like you might be you might be a fan of Carrie's or, or enjoy what he does, but you're going, well, how do I do this in my own life? Like how do I mm. make the scriptures real? And I honestly have found so much um, inspiration from Elder Holland. <laughs> he is mm. just, he's my best friend. He doesn't know he's my best friend, but he is. <laughs> and I, I just, when I go back and I listen to Elder Holland talks where he talks about the scriptures, he does such a fantastic job of making it feel like you're there. I'm thinking of um, the laborers in the vineyard or, right. um, you know, like stories like that. And the one that made the the biggest impact on me was when he shared the story of Elisha, oh. who was surrounded by the Syrian army and his servant wakes up and he looks out the window and what does he see? A Syrian <laughs> army, not popcorn. See, you should have been singing for us, by the way. You should have sung that other song. Beautiful nope. voice. But anyway. That was all you get. So okay. so he's surrounded by the Syrian army and he's absolutely petrified. And he calls Elisha to the window and he says, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And Elisha is looking out at this entire arm and he says, oh, no, 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 fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And this is in 2 Kings 6, by the way. And I'm sure that boy is like, Elisha, do you know how to do math? 
Like, yeah. do you know how to do math? We're yeah, two this, this versus an army. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, yeah. and, and then Elisha prays in this boy's spiritual eyes are open and he sees um, horses and chariots of fire surrounding this mountain. And as Elder Holland told this story, I'm like, I'm getting chills because he told this story and then he related it to real life. And he says, you have horses and chariots of fire ready to come to your aid whenever you need them. And so if you are listening to this and you're going, man, I wish the scriptures were real, but they're not. Go listen to some Elder Holland talks. I would suggest that. He is absolutely fantastic at making the scriptures feel real and also helping them to apply to your life. So that would be my number one tip if you're struggling right now. I would agree. Uh, so Elder Holland is fantastic. That yes. Elder Maxwell was as well. Oh, yes. Uh, and I've actually, I love that talk. And I'm, I'm trying to find very quickly... Um, some of the lines he uses from that. I, if I remember right, I think you're talking about the talk for times of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave that to BYU speech. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to find the part where he, uh, there's one particular one that he, uh, here we go. Uh, I just want to read this line if it's all right with okay. you, because please, um, uh, it's, it's, it, this, this has been powerful for me in times where, that have been difficult for me where I've mm-hmm. thought, you know what? I was serving you, which is what Elisha and and his servant, I assume this Mm -hmm. is still Gehazi, but anyway, I mean, they're serving God. They're in trouble because they've been prophesying and the the Syrians haven't liked that he always knows where they are. And uh, and I've had times like that where I thought, you know, this problem that I'm having right now is coming because... I'm serving you, and yet <laughs> right. it's getting in the way of my being able to serve you. Yes. How does that work? And I mean, there have even been times where, like, the, some of these things were making international headlines, and so on. I'm just like, what yeah. in the in the world? I'm I'm just trying to serve you. How yeah. how does this happen? And how does this work out? And then I remembered this from uh, Elder Holland. So, uh, and since he's a, not only is this about the the scriptures, but since he's an apostle. Uh, although I don't know that he was at this time, but anyway, he is. So we're going to say that their words are also scripture, right? So mm-hmm. this is the, uh, maybe I'll just back up and read the story a little bit. He says, if Elisha is yeah. looking for, well, all right. He, he tells the story and he says, uh, therefore he sent thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. They compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And that's from Second Kings 6. And then Elder Holland mm-hmm. says, if Elisha is looking for a good time to be depressed, this is it. Mm-hmm. His only ally is a boy who in modern times might be the president of the local teacher's quorum. <laughs> it is one prophet and one lad against the world, and the boy is petrified. He sees the enemy everywhere, difficulty and despair and problems and burdens everywhere. He cannot leave, and all he can see is an evil and merciless city like Chicago with faltering faith. So I think that must have something to do with the story told earlier. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing against Chicago. So the boy cries, <laughs> alas, my master, how shall we do? And Elisha's reply, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Now, again, I think this is key. We, I mean, if we think back to Enoch as a seer uh, or what it means to be a prophet and how fortunate we are to have prophets, they are seeing things that we don't see. But right. in this case, he prays that the boy will see it. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And then we get this paragraph that is the one that, that I remember that really hit me. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have help from both sides of the veil, and you must never forget that. 
When disappointment and discouragement strike, and they will, you must remember and never forget that if our eyes could be opened, we would see horses and chariots of fire as far as the eye can see, riding at reckless speed to come to our protection. They will always be there, these armies of heaven, in defense of Abraham's seed. And it's that line of that image that he paints of them riding at reckless speed yeah. that really touches me. I'm, I'm like, now I'm almost going to get emotional because I can remember, <laughs> uh, I can remember a time where I was like, I, it was a very dark time because it seemed like things were really bad and I was trying to serve and it was, it seems like literally I was being surrounded by, uh, these forces that were trying to stop my ability to serve and, and, uh, I couldn't figure out what to do. And then I just had that picture of reckless chariots yeah. just coming to our aid and things worked out, right? But uh, yep. but before they worked out, I felt comforted because of that image um, that I think is similar to what you're saying that uh, has happened for you with that image. Yep. So yep. thanks to Elisha and whoever wrote that story in Elder <laughs> Holland um, yeah. for helping us to have that um that's a real power that comes to our life from the scriptures. It is. That's a- well, and don't you feel the power from that story that he shared? Like, I, I think if we struggle, if we don't feel like the scriptures are real, man, reading those words of a modern prophet can help to make those ancient prophets so much more real to us. So I love that you I said agree. that. I agree. Well, you're the one who brought this up. That, that I was, did. It was a great answer. idea yeah. of mine. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's, that's why I had you on. So I'm going to take credit for knowing you'd have a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. (laughs) But that's, uh, I mean, just another, so, so many images that you've painted for us today uh, that are are powerful and great examples of drawing uh, power from the scriptures as they become real, as we can picture ourselves sitting in uh, a small town in Northern Israel that is suddenly surrounded by a large army and how terrifying that must be. And, yeah. and picture yourself a teenage boy and being terrified and then yeah. picture yourself seeing those hosts yeah. that are there to save you and then remember that that is real. Yep. And that makes a difference in your life. It really does. So, makes all the difference. Wow. That's a great image to close on. Thank you so much, Kristen. I, I'm really grateful for all that you're doing for so many people and, and especially today for your coming on and sharing this. I, f- I feel uplifted and the scriptures are more real to me than they were before we started. So thank you well, for thank that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I, I hope everyone will go and check out your, your podcast, One Minute Scripture Study, right? Yes, uh, that's right. And uh, and like and uh, subscribe to that and this and leave comments and whatever else. And uh, just we hope that your life is enriched by having the scriptures more real for you. Thank you.